Well, good morning, everybody, and I'm glad that we're able to worship together this morning. I hope you're doing well, uh, wherever today finds you. Um, My question, though, this morning is this. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the time you bought uh, the homecoming dress for your daughter and just a couple of days before the dance, you know, her date backed out on her. That's terrible. That's horrible. You know, your, your girl is sad, your, your money is wasted, you're pretty grumpy about that. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking something so massive, so life-changing. It's like a tidal wave of emotion hits you. It's not enough to say, I was upset. No, you've, you're engulfed, you're, you're buried, you're overwhelmed. Your wife of 17 years, 17 years, the the mother of your three daughters says, I have feelings for someone else, a woman, no less, and I'm leaving you. Or your brother goes to work at a warehouse, punches the clock, has a productive morning, It's a Friday. It's just like any other Friday, any normal Friday. You're supposed to have lunch together, but it doesn't show up. And you hear on the news there's been a shooting. And in a moment, he's gone. Or you always check to make sure you shut the stove off. Always you check to make sure you unplug the iron when you're done with it. You always even clean out the the dryer lint trap to make sure nothing can spark in your house except one day you forget a candle, just a tiny little candle that tips over on your wooden mantle and the firemen get there fast but not fast enough and you find yourself standing outside on a dark night watching everything that you own ablaze with absolutely nothing left except your thanks that no one got hurt. Can you feel what I'm describing? Being, being overwhelmed. Uh, the word itself, uh, overwhelmed, comes from a Middle English word meaning uh, it was called wellman, which meant to be overturned like a cart would be overturned. But over 600 years of use, that word uh, was added to, a prefix over was given to it. Overwhelm is the word we use, which is strange because it's redundant. It means to over, overturn. And yet maybe... That repetition even fills it with more meaning. It's this feeling that streams of emotion are hitting you from this angle and this angle and from another place and another place until you're just drowning in it all. And the question is, where do you turn when you feel overwhelmed? What what do you do? Where do you direct the inner dialogue that begins to bounce around your brain when you just can't take it anymore? And that's the feeling that anchors Psalm 42. If you have a Bible with you this morning, let me invite you to open up there right in the center of your Bibles in the book of Psalms as we continue our series together uh, called The Polaroid Summer as we look at pictures of God, snapshots of God from the book of Psalms. Psalm 42 begins what we know as uh, the second book of the Psalter and uh, is closely aligned with Psalm 43. In fact, a lot of older Hebrew manuscripts have the two as one psalm together, but maybe through time... Uh, they were separated as uh, different people used them in the Hebrew tradition for different liturgical or worship settings. Or maybe Psalm 43 came along as a sequel to Psalm 42 and, and then were separated down through the ages. We're not exactly sure, but they both center on this feeling of being overwhelmed, especially when God feels 
distant. And they begin with this overwhelming image. Verse 1, Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. The psalm begins with a prayer to God and with this image. The soul is like a deer and God is like streams of water. Now, for me, most of my life, this was a comforting image. You know, when I think about streams of water, I think of a quiet forest with babbling brooks rolling through it. And why not? That's my name, after all, Brooks. In fact, as a kid, I used to use this verse in Psalm 42 as a description of how my name is a biblical name because the New American Standard said, as a deer pants for water, Brooks. See, it's right there in the scriptures, you know. It was comforting. It was a picture of God as a refreshing being, as, as his calm, his plenty. I even sang this psalm in church like 30 years ago. You might remember that simple hymn about, uh, as the deer panteth for streams of water, so my soul longs for thee. It was a picture of, of plenty and, and joy. That's what I had in mind. But then I started reading more about streams and uh, was, in fact, was, was reading on the USDA Forest Service website and I learned there's actually different kinds of streams, a few main kinds of streams. Uh, the one I had in mind was what's called the perennial stream, which is a stream that always flows. It's always got water in it. That's what I had in mind when I read this psalm. But then second, there's another kind of stream called an intermittent stream where water flows most of the year, but there are dry seasons and dry spells where it runs low. Maybe that's a kind of stream that's more common even in the Middle East, in the land of Israel. Or a third kind of stream is what's called an ephemeral stream where water hardly ever flows. It's a dry channel most of the time. On a rare occasion with a massive storm or a big snow melt, it may fill with water. And I begin to think about this psalm, this image of God in a new way. With uh, this God like a stream of water, I, I began to wonder, you know, which stream best describes your experience with God even today? Maybe for you, God is today. He's ever present. He's like gushing in your life. Or maybe God seems sometimes present. And maybe there's a dry spell in your life as you think about his presence. Maybe even today. Or, or maybe for you, it feels like he's gone. That in a sense, only rare moments of his grace do you sense his presence. This psalm offers a snapshot of these different stream types, I think, and, and how they flow into our lives. The first is this idea of a perennial stream. I think the psalm is telling us that God is an overwhelming flood all year long. Now, from the first words of the psalm, you get a sense of the psalmist being overwhelmed. In verse 1, the author talks to God, but he feels distant from God. He, he knows God as this overwhelming flood, this, this stream ever-flowing but this, he's a thirsty man at a painful distance from him. He says, my soul pants for you. Now, you'll notice throughout this psalm, a lot of use of metaphor. Deer and streams of water and panting and thirsting and, and all of these different things. And I think that's intentional because when we are overwhelmed, when we feel a massive amount of pain, we tend to use metaphor to describe it. Literal language fails us. I mean, think about some experiences maybe that you've had being overwhelmed, you know. We, we seldom say, you know, they gossiped about me in the office and I lost my job because of it. 
No, if, if we're overwhelmed, if we're feeling pain, we say, they, they stabbed me in the back or they, they, they killed me. They, they kicked me in the gut. Or if we're experiencing a lot of relationship pain, we don't say, well, my, my boyfriend developed feelings for my best friend and the two of them are now dating. No, we say, we say things like, that witch stole my heart. She tore my heart out of my chest. We use metaphorical language to describe the, the overwhelming pain that we feel. You see that in this psalm. God is like streams of water. That's the metaphor. But we realize pretty quickly, he's not just a gentle stream. He's a flood. You see it in verse 2. This God is on the move. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Chai is the Hebrew word for living. It's where we hear the, the Hebrew toast, lechayim, which means to life. It's a, a picture of, of movement and life and abundance. And when we use it for water, living water, is a picture of water that is on the move. It is not stagnant. It is not moss-covered. It is clean. It is moving. It is great. And that's the picture we have of God here in this psalm as well, that God is holy. He is clean. He is on the move. He is life. It's the same picture we got in the first psalm of the first book of the Psalter, Psalm 1, that describes someone who delights in the law of the Lord as being planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. It's a picture of someone connected with God, and there's a life-giving relationship with that God. Or Jesus would use the same image for the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, she was confused about the literal well between them, and she said, Well, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can we get this living water? And so Jesus told her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. God is this life. Father, Son, Spirit, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. His living God is inviting us to step into the waters with Him. But be warned... This God is not a gentle stream. He can become an overwhelming flood. Verse 6, the psalmist prays again, My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you, God, from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Now what does that mean? <laughs> well, Hermon was uh, the name of a group of mountains in Israel's far kind of northeastern frontier. And uh, the Jordan River begins up in that area. There are little foothills all around that. In fact, uh, the phrase Mount Mazar in Hebrew means little mountains. Maybe it's uh, describing the, the foothills of that region. And the Jordan River be begins there and makes its way all down the length of the nation all the way down to the Dead Sea. Now, mostly the Jordan River, as I saw this past December on a trip with some of you to Israel, is a pretty unimpressive river, honestly. It's not very wide. It's not very deep. It's kind of muddy. It's not moving very fast. But up near Hermon, it is a different story. It's pretty fierce. In fact, we have, I think, a little bit of a, an image here of the headwaters of the Jordan River there. The streams that come together in this Hermon region flow into waterfalls and cascading water and, and crashing water. You almost hear it in verse 7 when you think about that image. Deep calls to deep. 
in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. This God, the psalmist says, is overwhelming. The psalmist who desperately is seeking water in verse 1 finds it in verse 7, but it's not a gentle stream. It's dangerous. It's destructive. It's overwhelming. It's the massive undertow you feel in a hurricane-wracked Gulf of Mexico. It's a, a scary flash flood that pops up that starts pulling people and cars in its wake. This poor psalmist has gone from desperate thirst to drowning. And he realizes something that we need to realize pretty quickly. God's not playing by our rules. One minute, God seems far away, feels far away as far as Mount Hermon is from Jerusalem. The next minute, God is launching himself as as the psalmist. He's overwhelming him. He's, He's swamping him. God is this overwhelming flood, uncontrollable. He's not content to stay in the bounds that we carve out for him. This God, crashes through all of our comforts, scares us to death, sometimes by feeling so distant, and sometimes by swamping us with his presence. He's never-ending. He's with us forever, flowing all the time, alive, on the move, bigger than we could ever imagine. And he would terrify us, terrify us to death with all of this if he didn't offer this beautiful life jacket in the torrent. Verse 8, the psalmist writes, By day... The Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. See, Yahweh longs to be with us. He cares for you. He wants to be with you. In fact, he wants to be even within us. Again, Jesus in John 7 would use this image when he says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. See, my question for you is, have you come to the water's edge? Have you gotten into those waters with this God? When we think about God as streams of water, we say, if you trust in Jesus, if you believe in Christ, if you trust him with your life, I mean, the truth is, you will be swept away. You you will give up control of your life's trajectory. You will, in a way, be carried away in his mission and his discipline and his holiness. But you will have life, abundant life. And maybe this morning, wherever you are, if you're experiencing this presence of God, if you're experiencing his call to step into life with him, to be immersed in baptism with him, to to join our church family, then I want you to act on that today. I want you to to call us, to contact us, to email, to to let us know, because we'll figure out a way to make it happen. Even in a pandemic, it's important for you to experience the presence of God and to live into that presence today as streams of water. Maybe for you, God is this overwhelming flood today, and I hope that's true. But there's a second stream type that can sometimes flow in our experience as well. The psalmist talks about it. It's what I'm calling the intermittent stream, and that is that sometimes we are overwhelmed with our longing, with with dry seasons. I mean, God, after all, he sounds amazing, in this psalm, in the scriptures. He's alluring and inviting and and we want that life in him, that protection, that saving, that overwhelming sense of his presence. Wash over us, God, we say. But life today may feel a long way away from that. Maybe God, like an intermittent stream, ebbs and flows in your life 
Maybe. You're longing for God's face, but instead, it just feels like this dry channel of no grace. This is what overwhelms the psalmist. He he wants and longs for a stream in verse 1, but it's dry. His soul pants is the word. Now, the Hebrew term for panting here is the Hebrew word arag. It is only mentioned a couple times in the whole Old Testament here and in Joel chapter 1. Scholars aren't exactly certain of the meaning of the word. Uh, Some suggest it means uh, it's a picture of a deer inclining its head towards the water. Or others have suggested, I, I like this, that it's the sound a deer makes as it drinks the water. A rog, a rog. Can, can, you, can you hear the longing, the, the overwhelming desire in the psalmist for this God and his presence? These sons of Korah who wrote this psalm, they, they want to be with God. But they found this sort of dry, dusty place. Now, legend tells us that the sons of Korah were doorkeepers in the the temple of God. They longed to be in that temple. We do know they loved God's house, as we looked at a few weeks ago in Psalm 84, when they said there, you know, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. They wanted to be with God in his temple, but something stopped them. Maybe it was an illness. Maybe it was conflict with their enemies. There's lots of talk of that in these psalms. Maybe they were too far away. Their farm, their home were just too far away from Jerusalem for a quick trip. We're not sure. But probably you feel that longing in some sense as well. Maybe a longing for sacred space, as it were. This pandemic has stopped us from being able to gather safely in some sacred space together. And you know that longing. You feel it. And, and when we feel it, we begin to ask some deep questions like the psalmist does here. Verse 2, when can I go and meet with God? Literally, when can I see God's face? Or verse 3, my my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Instead of eating, he's just crying all the time. He, He wants to wade into God's goodness, but there's not a drop of God to be found. Where is God is the question. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by my enemy? Why, God, why? As John Golden Gay translates it, he says, Why have you put me out of mind, God? Why do I go about in the dark? Can you sense the longing? Just this overwhelming desire. And we long for things too. We long maybe for a sense of normalcy. We long for clarity about what's coming. We long for joy. We long for a better day. We long for gathering and for safety. We long for equality. What do you long for today? In your heart of hearts, at the core of your being, what is it that you really, really want? I I tell you what, if you're watching with us on Facebook Live this morning and you're open to sharing that longing of your heart, why don't you take a moment and just type in what you long for? I want to pray for some of those longings here in just a moment. What do you long for? I know when I think about my life, of course, there's lots of little things here and there, but, but the big thing for me is peace. I long for a peaceful, 
diverse church family centered around Jesus that respects one another, that can have critical conversations about culture and life and race and justice and mission, that we can disagree with each other at times, but still love and sacrifice for each other. I long for that in our church family. I long for that in our community, for Christ to be made known and for people to come to him more and more. And I can see, I can see spots of water, but there are also a lot of dry spots in that longing. Intermittent streams at best. And so then I ask God, when God? Where? Why? It can kind of be overwhelming. See, what do you long for? Maybe right now, you know the torrent of longing and and are overwhelmed by it, like intermittent streams. Or maybe like this third stream type that can flow in our experience, this ephemeral stream. I think this psalm is describing kind of the difference between God's flood on the one hand and our kind of dry longing on the other, and all of that pushes us to hope. In other words, we hope even when water can't be seen. I see that in verses 5 and verse 11, these repetitious verses in the psalm. They show the difference between the ephemeral stream stages, the dry and the massive flood, and the dissonance is deafening. Verse 5, on the one hand, you have this dry, cracked earth. The psalmist says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Uh, The term for downcast in Hebrew refers to uh, physically bowing down in in humility or in grief. It's like he's saying his soul is doubled over. It's like hunched on the ground, hugging itself, so overwhelmed. Or the the picture of being disturbed, that Hebrew term means a a growl or a roar. It's a, a picture of his soul is loud. It's confused with all kinds of voices screaming in his mind. He's overwhelmed. I like Robert Alter's translation. He says, how bent my being, how you moan for me. It's so dry. But at the very same time, verse 5, even with all this noise internally, the psalmist knows where to turn. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He couldn't feel God. He couldn't sense the stream of his presence, but he still poured his soul out to him. He still dreams of a stream that would flood him at any moment, a God who would come near. He hoped. Do you? Do you dare? Hope is a dangerous thing, especially when we're feeling overwhelmed, especially when the voices in our head keep us up at night. Would you put your hope in God? If so, then pray. Pray right now. Pray even if you can't see his presence or feel his presence or you you just don't sense that he's close to you. Pray because I know in the midst of some overwhelming circumstances, maybe even for you today, there's this sense that right now there's a dust storm of overwhelming despair that may be whispering into your brain and it's saying things like your dream's not going to happen this relationship is not going to work out this anxiety is always going to grip you this loneliness will always be with you forever you're not worth anything you're useless god doesn't care about you no one cares about you and in the midst of those voices it just seems like the land around you is hard pan it's dry It's death. Jesus himself walked there once. 
Strangely, it was in a garden called Gethsemane. But make no mistake, there were no streams in that garden for Jesus. It's dry. It's a place of death and being overwhelmed. It's a place of of destruction. He took some friends there. He prayed in that place. He poured his heart out to a God who felt distant. He even used the language of Psalm 42. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he told his friends, stay here and keep watch. But they could not. They slept. Three times he came before his father. He begged for the suffering of the cross to be taken away. Three times he came, but the garden was silent that night. The gurgling of the stream could not be heard in his ears. It's dry. He was arrested. He was tortured. He was murdered. Upon the cross of Christ, as he was on that cross, he asked the questions that we ask in the midst of suffering. Why, God, why have you forsaken me? His overwhelming God seemed as distant to his overwhelming desire as this hand is from this one. And yet God, in that moment, did something amazing. Jesus put his hope in his God and death was defeated. God brought life in the midst of that death and dry place. Dry was drowned out in the presence of God. And so now, none of us have to wonder anymore where to turn when we're overwhelmed. You don't have to wonder anymore where to turn when you're feeling overwhelmed. Simply put your hope in God. And with confidence, you can say, I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Would you bow in prayer with me? Father, we long for so many things. We long for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, even as some of my brothers and sisters are listing their longings here on Facebook. God, I hope you'll hear these prayers, that you'll help family members give their life to God. Father, that you'll Help our Southside family to, to know God, to have God in their heart. To, to, in a sense, God, let go of our worries and our anxieties, to hand them over to you, to see our world restored, to see faces bowing down to you, Father, regardless of race or nation. Father, we long for people to be kind and compassionate for hatred and anger, God, to be swallowed up in your love, for families to gather, for there to be laughter and empathy, for normalcy, Father, for happiness, for restoration, for peace. God, our hearts long for these things. And even though, God, we may question why this isn't happening right now, I pray for your spirit to work in us, to be a people who hope in you. And in so doing, to see your kingdom come in Springfield as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.